At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. So I think it would be good to get to understand how it would work now when there isn't a problem because it's easier because mm-hmm. you have time. You could do it on a weekend morning. There's no emergencies. Everything's running smoothly. This is the time to like know the plan. We have a super exciting episode coming out today, and it's a long one. So I broke it into two parts. So one part is going to be about her finances, her and her husband, and then the second part is going to be about her parents' finances. So this is a great one to listen to if you think that you are going to be helping your parents as they get older, or if, God forbid, they're sick and you're helping to care for them now, there is a lot that we go over. So this is a great episode and it's going to be two parts. So part one will be today and then Friday the 18th. And then next week will be the second part. Hello and welcome to Financials Podcast Future Rich. I'm your host, Barbara Ginty, and I'm also a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And I am super excited for our guest today. I'd like to welcome May to the show. Hi, May. Hi, good morning. So, May, I have to tell you, I got your submission and was like, we have to get you on immediately. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a little bit going on in my life. Yeah. So why don't we start with the basics? And then if you could kind of tell us what's happened over the last, I think it's two to three years mm-hmm. so that our listeners can hear, and then we'll kind of uh, dive into it. But start with maybe like how old you are, where, where you live and income, and then we'll go into what's, what's going on in your life. Sure. Awesome. Well, um, I'm using the name May and I am located in a suburb of Kansas City. So I live on the Kansas side Um, and I am 36 years old. I'm recently married. I got married last September. So we're coming up on the one year, um, which is exciting. Very exciting. September what? Uh, September 24th. Yeah, so so we're cresting the curve. Yeah, oh, very nice. That's exciting. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Um, and we bought our house uh, about a year ago in July, so we've kind of got a lot of a lot of things happening at once there. Um, and I am currently working as a paralegal. I work for a nonprofit firm, which um, is kind of one of my questions for you later on today is um, about my student loans and managing those. And income-wise, I am currently at about 45 per year. And then my spouse, um, one of our plot twists is he was recently laid off at the end of June. So we've kind of had a break with his income. Um, The good news is I'm happy to report that he was um, recently hired on by a new company. So 
he'll start after Labor Day, um, and his salary will be seventy-four. Oh, amazing! Okay, great. Wow, God, mm-hmm. that's an introduction to marriage, huh? You you know, buy a house, yeah. get married, and then lose your job. Right. Yeah. It was it was unanticipated, um, as I think it is for most people. And um, I think for us, it really is a blessing in disguise. It's giving him, I think, some new breathing room. So I'm grateful, honestly, at the end of the day. And then and what uh, does he do for work? So he is in the construction industry. Mm -hmm. So he does like estimating kind of project management. And I think this new position will kind of be a hybrid of the two of those. Amazing. Well, good. That must be I'm sure it was a blessing in disguise. And usually those sort of things, and you look back on them in hindsight, because hindsight's always 2020, you know, right. it was for a good reason. But it's always difficult in the moment because it's. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I think so. And I feel like the new company, just the benefits are 10 times better. And um, he'll get to work from home, which will be interesting. So, um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of new and good things on the horizon. Oh, good. And then how was it? So you weddings are expensive mortgages are expensive so yes. how is it covering the mortgage with one income uh, right so um hopefully thankfully we're only gonna have to do that for let's see july august and then he'll be getting paychecks in september, september? So okay that's so really mm-hmm. yeah and you have an emergency fund to well we could use for that Sort of. So that's kind of one of my questions is we do have, um, we've started to build up an emergency fund. And I actually, we opened a SoFi account together recently um, because I loved their vault structure (laughs) um, to be able to see where things can go in terms of savings. And so we thankfully haven't had to pull from that because we've just kind of paid down the mortgage and these other expenses for this time in between just from our normal funds. But now those are pretty much depleted. So we are potentially looking at needing to use those savings. Okay. And yeah, and it's not terribly long, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Okay. And then you have some other plot twists as well. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, I found your show, Barbara, probably about three months ago, and I really (laughs) just dived in and listened to some of the older episodes and, of course, the newer ones. And what brought me to your show is I, in 2021, my parents had some health crises occur, and my dad was um, fairly ill, and then my mom had a stroke that left her with some aphasia and really just kind of an inability to problem solve and kind of manage complex Mm -hmm. issues. So um, kind of overnight, their financial reality fell into my lap. Um, And um, I do have one sibling who does help some, but I've really taken kind of the financial side of things is is my wheelhouse. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, not wheelhouse, but (laughs) it's becoming that. Um, And so I I had to learn a lot about how money works. Um, I had to figure out what my parents had saved, where it was, you know, figure out what they had in terms of life insurance. And in talking to some friends and then some professionals in in my community, I realized that they hadn't done a ton of planning. Um, Mm -hmm. And that got me thinking a lot about my situation and realizing I haven't done a ton of planning. And I'm not really, you know, at that point in time, and even today, I think figuring out where is my money going, um, what am I putting it towards, and trying to figure out how I can use it most effectively. Yeah, that is... is that is a big plot twist. Mm-hmm. 
And so your dad sadly passed away, correct? Right. So yeah, in March of 22, he did pass away. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. So you got, that's a, that, this is a lot. Like, I don't think we've had a show where it, in 24 months, I think it is, give or take, it seems like, right. that mm-hmm. your parents got sick, you become in charge of your your mom's finances, because cor- correct, if you right. um, have a major health issue, and it it's different for every person, it, some often, oftentimes, handling the finances uh, becomes too much, whether it becomes too much mm-hmm. and they identify it too much, or you identify that they're not capable of being in charge of it and things will get missed and there'll be mistakes made because they're just not able to focus on it. Um, because right. until you experience a real health issue, sometimes people don't understand, but when, when you're sick or you have a health problem, usually then taking care of your finances is not the best decision because you're really focused on your mm-hmm. health and sometimes the medicines you're taking create critical thinking issues and right there's all these reasons why if, if you're experiencing a health problem you maybe shouldn't be handling the finances like other other mm-hmm. things so now feels like we you got married you know you had a wedding you bought a house your husband lost his job you lost your dad inherited money and now in charge of taking care of your mother's finances because she's having health issues Yes, I, I, that's that's a great summary, right? And on top of that, I'm I'm kind of wrestling with. Um, I was in a program to complete a, a master's in counseling when my dad and mom both had some of their health issues come up, okay. and so as a result of those um, their care needs, I did take a pause in my studies. Okay, and um, which was 100% the right choice at the time. Mm-hmm. And now I'm looking at going back. I'm I'm so close to finishing. I am, you know, seven credits short and a oh, few wow. hours. Yeah. And a few, well, a hundred or so hours of some, um, you know, kind of practicum um, therapy sessions. Mm-hmm. So I'm right there. Um, so, you know, I'm looking at going back in January to um, finish those hours and thinking that that might necessitate that I step back from my current role um, just to be able to balance everything. So that's in my, my the back of my mind also. Yeah, this is a lot. But I do think that sometimes mm-hmm. life happens this way where it's like feast or famine, you know, like everything mm-hmm. kind of happens at once. Right. So this will be a great learning opportunity. And I, and I, so why don't we start with, if, the, if that's okay. Um, so your dad passed away and left you an IRA because I have Mm-hmm. And just to keep it simple for the listeners, I'm not going, you have a very detailed spreadsheet, which is super helpful, but I'm not going to run through everything. I think maybe for you, which you're going to do a little bit differently mm-hmm. than we do for our normal show. I think we should start with um, your dad passing and what, and what that looks like for you financially. Mm-hmm. And then I think we should talk about your mom. Okay. And then I think we should talk about you because you're doing all, we have okay. all three. Does that work? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Okay, so your dad had an IRA um, that he left to you and your sibling, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so this is brings up a very interesting point. I think it's very interesting. Did you know anything about an inherited IRA before this happened? Um, no, I have learned as I've gone along. It was uh, new to me. So this is so most people don't know this, and I think this is a super important thing. So before the Secure Act there was this thing called the stretch IRA. So depending on the date of death and your father passed away after the new legislation. Mm -hmm. So before the new legislation, you would, you would have been, and your sibling, it would have been split, would have been allowed to keep the IRA for your lifetime. 
with minimal mm -hmm. distributions. The, it's called required minimum distributions when you have an IRA. Um, IRAs, in this case, we're talking about a traditional IRA, meaning that the account was tax deferred. It went in pre-tax. The monies have been tax deferred. So therefore, nothing in this account has paid tax. So pre the SECURE Act, the legislation change, you would have taken required minimum distributions based on your age, and it would have been called what is a stretch IRA, and you would have been able to stretch it out over your lifetime and then use the majority of it for your retirement. That got changed. That did not make news. So most people were never aware of the fact that now if you inherit something from an aunt or uncle or a father or a mother, anybody other than your spouse, for the most part, that's a generalization, we can put the flowchart up of the rules. But it, you know, high level, most people are going to fall either into spouse or non-spouse. Most people, not all, but a, a majority. After Secure, the Secure Act was passed, which is when your dad passed away after that, you now have an inherited IRA as a non-spouse, and you're going to be obligated to take those monies out by the 10th year, 1231 of the 10th year following the death of the year of death. So you have 10 years to distribute it. And so it depends on your tax situation. And, and so in which case, I'm not a tax advisor, so you should consult a tax professional, but a lot of people take it evenly over 10 years, right? They take one tenth mm. a year. You have a little, I'm assuming you're doing married filing joint. Correct. We are. Okay. Um, so you're going to have three months of this year where your husband doesn't have income, correct? Yes, that's right. Okay. And then, and then you also might go back to school starting next year. Yes, exactly. And that might be roughly six, five to six months. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's hypothesize here. So this year you'll, we think, because we don't know what will happen, we think you'll probably have less income this year because you'll have three months and your husband has the higher earnings. So you'll have three months less of higher earnings. And then next year you'll have five to six months less of income if you take a step back to go to school. Right. Okay. So if I were in your shoes, I would meet with a tax professional and mock out, mock up taking some more rather than doing one tenth, one tenth, one tenth, right, for the ten years evenly, so ten percent a year. Mm -hmm. I would evaluate should you take more this year and next year, because you're going to be potentially having less income, therefore paying less tax. And that could be the difference. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, that does. Um yeah, because in the back of my mind I've been wondering, you know, I heard about the ten years and I'm like, mm -hmm. wow, that's a lot of money to, to get out of that account in ten mm -hmm. years and do it to do it strategically. Correct. You always want to be strategic. And so, yes, I agree. And so some people just, and I will say with a profession, you know, like let's say you use a CPA, you mm -hmm. have to pay for their time. That's fine. Anyone, you, if you don't have to pay for someone's time, I would question that, right? Um, <laughs> sure. So pay for their time. And I would just see, say, this is about what our income is going to be this year. Because you can take it, remember the tax year closes on December 31st. So you could say, okay, tell me what happens if we take, 15% this year, 15% next year, and then the remainder um, over the following year. Mm. And then maybe it'll offset some of the taxes. So what one of the issues with the eliminating the stretch IRA is that you're very young to lose a parent at 36. Mm -hmm. So what we, what we anticipate happening, so this is a, a big change to the estate planning, is that most people will lose their parents effectively if you just look at the average life expectancy of somebody who's currently 65, how long are they going to live? And then what age would their children in theory be? Uh, most people will be inheriting in their forties or fifties. And that's traditionally when you're making your highest income based on mm. studies. And so therefore you're going to pay the most tax you'll pay on the inherited IRA because you'll inherit it 
at your peak earnings. Mm-hmm. That makes so just sense. an interesting, so this didn't really make headlines. I mean, it did in our industry, but it didn't really make, you know, I didn't hear anyone being like, oh my gosh, they've eliminated this huge retirement loophole. And in fact, they did. Um, it could always change. But anyway, I would definitely meet with the, the CPA and see that given your current situation and potentially next year situation, should you be taking more out of the inherited IRA in those tax years, rather than doing it just, I think the default would probably be just take 10% a year, right? Right. And you have a, so we, you have 140,000 in the inherited IRA. Correct. Yes. Um, and I think last year I did take a distribution of maybe approximately 8,000 um, after tax from it. Yep. So they withhold the taxes for you or mm-hmm. they right. can withhold the taxes for you. Um, so when you take the distribution, they'll withhold taxes for you. Once again, the CPA who's doing your return can advise on how much to withhold. But I, I would investigate taking a bit more this year and then next year and have you know, run that by the tax professional to see that will benefit mm-hmm. you from a tax standpoint. Okay. And I think hearing you say that makes a lot of sense too. I mean, hopefully upon completion of my degree program, there's a good chance that my income could also bump significantly if, especially if I leave nonprofit land mm-hmm. <laughs> at some point. Yes. Um, yes. So, so that, that kind of makes me think taking out more now makes sense for that reason too. Right, because anything you take out of the inherited IRA is is income to you. Well, mm-hmm. is tax like income? Right. So okay, it's not capital gains. It's going to be tax like ordinary income. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I would I would investigate that. The other thing you can do with the inherited IRA that we can talk to talk about you know flag to come back to when we talk about your uh, financial situation is you have to liquidate it right. Like this isn't a choice. And so let's say in the next couple of years, you could always take it out and then you pay the taxes and the money left over. We could do a couple of things with, we could fund a retirement account for you mm-hmm. like a Roth IRA, or we could max out your work plan, right? Because those dollars offset each other. So if you're mm-hmm. taking, does this make sense? So if you're taking yeah. $10,000 out of your inherited IRA that goes in on income, but then you put $10,000 into your, I think I've got a, 403B. B. You have a 403B. Yes. Okay. So mm-hmm. then you put $10,000 into your 403B. It almost negates each other. Does that make sense? That that does. I, I like that. Yep. So that's a really easy way. So then, because usually the parent is leaving the child the money to help them with their financial situation. And even though you can't mm-hmm. keep this IRA like you used to for your retirement, we could effectively use it for your retirement by taking the distribution because it's mandated out of your dad's IRA, and then Mm -hmm. doing the same contribution into your retirement. Mm -hmm. And then once again, the CPA, you should say to the CPA, this is what I'd like to do. I'm going to take, you know, 10,000 over here. I'll put 10,000 in my 403B and that should about negate itself. We have to confirm it with the CPA, Mm -hmm. but does that logic make sense? It does. It does. I guess I have maybe an elementary question about that. Sure. In terms of putting that 10000 in the 403B, that would be, have to come from my salary. That's not something I could independently move there, right? Correct. Yep. So this is like okay. a little bit of a shell game, and which is why it's not suggested often. Like uh-huh. your C- So your CPA is going to meet with you unless you schedule a meeting, which would be my advice to schedule a meeting before the end of the year. You meet with your CPA okay. in April of the year following, right? Uh-huh. So they're never going to suggest this because it's you missed the window 
right. they're doing your tax sure. return for the prior year. So they're not going to uh-huh. say, it doesn't make any sense to say, well, you should have done ABC. Right. Because the year has closed. You meet with them uh-huh. in April, let's say, or March of 2024, and you should have done it by December 31st of 2023. Okay. Sure. So, so that's why you really need the tax professional to meet with them like in advance. And I will say that most people don't have a strategy meeting with their CPA. They just meet with them after the year has closed. Therefore, we can do nothing about it, right? The year has closed. Mm -hmm. So this a lot, because you have a lot going on, which means it's, I believe it'll be worthwhile to pay for the tax advice and it needs to be done in advance of the tax year ending. Otherwise you can't take advantage of it. So what you would, what you, this is how it would work. The way I would structure it, you are going to lose, let's just use $12,000 as a round number. Okay. So you're losing $1,000 from your paycheck in theory. It's not a full thousand because it's pre-tax, right? So let's say you lose seven fifty. Then you get a distribution. We'll just use monthly. Just keep it really easy. You get a distribution from the inher- inherited IRA for seven fifty. So you miss okay. seven fifty from your paycheck, but you get mm-hmm. a deposit in your checking account from the inherited IRA for seven fifty. So it's a wash. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, yeah. I like this. I hadn't thought about it that way before. <laughs> Most people mm-hmm. don't think about it. And that, the reason why I like this, you know, I don't know your dad. I don't know the intention, but mm-hmm. my assumption with the intention to, of leaving you money was to better your financial situation. So we just have to get around the new law change, which is basically making you liquidate this account when, and I don't even know if your dad was aware of the rules, but your dad might've assumed that his IRA then became your IRA for your retirement. That would be the logical assumption if you weren't up to date on the rules. Mm-hmm. And now the government's forcing you to take it. So how do we get around that? Mm-hmm. Well, you have your own work retirement plan. So why don't we just contribute to your work retirement plan the amount that you have to take out of your debts? Mm-hmm. And then in yeah. theory, you should end up with, give or take, over this time frame, you know, over 10 years, if we're putting 10000 in, $100,000 contribute it. Wow. So we're, that would be we're, amazing. We're just moving it, right? So now it's on mm-hmm. your net worth statement as inherited IRA. And then over 10 years, it's a long time. Instead of the inherited IRA is going to go to zero because it's mandated by law to be zero. But then your 403B mm-hmm. goes up by that exact contribution amount, give or take. Okay. Right. But right. you can't just, the easy thing, but the government never makes like, it is never easy in retirement land. We're over here in retirement land. We have lots of rules. Not easy, uh-huh. as you know, because one of your other questions is like pre-tax versus Roth versus traditional. Like it's not easy. So the easy thing would be like, I don't want the one hundred and forty thousand. I'm just going to move that right into my four hundred three B. But we can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. Right. So instead, we do effectively that by taking the distribution that's mandated by law out of the inherited IRA and then increasing your contribution to your work plan. So you still have the same amount of money to live on, but the thousand dollars or seven fifty, whatever we want to call it, is from your dad's inherited IRA that's missing from your paycheck, but it's the same amount of money that you're living right. in. Right. Our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it literally every day. I gave AG1 a try because I was tired of taking so many supplements and I wanted a simple solution to boost my immune system support. I take it first thing in the morning before I even have my coffee and it makes me feel ready to take on the day. As a very busy entrepreneur and with recent health challenges, it is super important that I'm able to get immune system support because I don't have time to get sick. If you're looking for a simpler, effective investment 
works for your health, try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash future rich. That's drinkag1.com forward slash future rich. Check it out today. No, this makes a lot of sense. And maybe this is something we'll get into in a little bit, but I'm wondering then that money that I'm putting into my work plan, what bucket would be most advantageous since I guess I paid tax to take it out of the inherited IRA? Would I put it into a Roth bucket or a pre-tax bucket of the 403B? So if you want to do an a, like an exact swap, Right. Uh-huh. Meaning that like it's a neutralized thing. You would do the pre-tax because you're paying tax on the other side and then you're doing the pre-tax. OK. If you're willing to take a little bit more. So that's so basically you have the additional 10,000 coming in on your income, but you've lowered your income by 10,000 by contributing. Uh huh. Okay. So that's that's a wash in theory. If you do the Roth option, that's fine, but you're not lowering your income by doing the Roth. OK. And then on top of your income, you then have the contribution or the distribution from your dad's, which is fine. We're going to withhold tax on that, or you should have taxes withheld, but you haven't effectively lowered your income by doing the contribution because it's a Roth and it's after tax. Okay. And so this is where the CPA should say, if you do the pre-tax, you know, I would recommend the CPA should say, I would recommend the pre-tax because therefore you're in the, you're staying below this threshold because like lower tax bracket, because remember we have an incremental tax system, right? So you step up, your first dollar makes zero, your last dollar makes the most. We take the average, right? So you have an average, you don't, okay. so it's an increment, like a staircase. The higher you move up on the staircase, the higher, the more you pay in tax, but you pay the average because your first dollars pay zero. So maybe the CPA says, okay, well, if you do the Roth, you're going to be in this next bracket. And so you've stepped up in the tax threshold. So I would recommend mm-hmm. the pre-tax because you stay below this threshold. That gets a little bit more into tax strategy, but the concept is we can use the inherited IRA to increase. And and maybe I just, you know, we haven't gone through all of your finances yet, but if your dad left it for you to have it for retirement, we can figure a way to do it, even with the new laws. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like this. I hadn't thought about putting it in my work retirement account. So um, no, this is, this is definitely helpful. And it doesn't mean you have to do it every year either. Right. So like we could Mm -hmm. say for this year and next year, because we have three months without your husband's income and next year you're going to school, you might need extra income and then you're going to get a higher paying job. And let's say you need leave nonprofit land. So then you have a 401k. So you could just do it for the remaining years. We'll just say it's seven years left after we get through these two things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So just keep that in your, the back of your mind. Cause people, people don't ever, I don't see people do that often. They just immediately mm-hmm. distribute the IRA. They puts it in their checking account. It somehow gets spent. We don't know where it went. And then, <laughs> no, that's what sure. happens. Uh, it does. Yeah. Yeah. You just have like extra money. And then, you know, it. and then at the end of 10 years, you're like, man, I don't know where that 140 went. Right. Right. So this is a way that even if the whole 140 doesn't end up in your retirement account, but if we get a hundred in there, right, that's great. That's mm-hmm. a big, you know, that's a, it's a lot of money for retirement. Sure. Okay, so that's inherited IRAs and, and that you have from your dad. Now, your mom, you've taken over her finances. Correct, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's also on the spreadsheet. And it looks like your mom has um, investment account 
And I don't know if that's an IRA or not an IRA. Um, I believe that is with, um, you're referring to the Edward Jones account? Yes. Do you know what type of account it is? Yes. I also believe it's an IRA um, as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you have a trust account. Yes. What kind of trust? So we set the trust up in August of 22. So we're also cresting a year there. Um, And my mom and dad did own a property together. Um, That property was sold in February of this year. Um, And so all the funds from that property went into the trust. Um, We did a little bit of planning with um, an estate attorney. And the focus was um, looking forward towards a Medicaid application for my mom. Yes. Um, And that- after Medicaid mm-hmm. Protection Trust. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because, and so the okay, I'm going to ask a few questions. So sure. the first account that your mom has is an, definitively an IRA. Yes, it is. Uh-huh. And how old is your mother? My mom will turn 70 in December. Okay. And then does your mom own a primary residence? No. So, so my, that was the primary residence that was sold. Um, my mom is now in an assisted living facility. Got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how is the assisted living facility being paid? So thankfully, um, my dad, thankfully and not, but my dad, um, served, um, and he was stationed in Korea and was, um, exposed to agent orange. So there are some funds that my mom has started to receive from the VA. Um, and so that is roughly 2000 a month, um, as the surviving spouse. Spouse. And then, um, and then my mom's social security, um, was higher than my dad's. So she is, receiving, I think getting about 2,600 a month. Um, so that pretty much covers her living expenses at the assisted living, um, location. And then, um, she does have medical, um, a lot of doctor's appointments, a lot of medicines, et cetera. So, um, all that totaled comes to about two to 2,500 a month, um, after insurance and et cetera. So that is kind of what we're, what my mom is paying out each month. And my dad did have a, life insurance policy. He worked for the post office. And so um, that's kind of been sitting in her bank account. We've been working down from that. So she probably has... uh How much is in there? Um, I believe about 18,000. Okay. How much was Mm -hmm. in there? How much was the policy? The policy was originally about 60. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. And this is just... I'm curious why they, what the recommendation wasn't made to spend down the IRA versus the life insurance money. Oh, that's, I, I don't, I, yeah, I haven't actually, I didn't ask about it. That's a good question. Yeah. Because the life insurance money could have been put in the trust. Mm-hmm. The IRA cannot. Mm-hmm. And your mom, when okay. you file, who's filing, are you doing your tax return for her? I am correct. So you should get a medical write-off, anything in excess of 7.5% of AGI, which means the IRA wouldn't really pay any tax on distributions. Okay. Okay. You need a you need a CPA like today. Okay. Okay. Eighteen thousand dollars isn't going to probably move the needle a lot, but once again, if you think about it from the perspective of tax, which this, we're doing mm-hmm. a lot of tax, and I'm not a tax professional, but some tax strategy we do as CFPs, and then you just have to confirm and get the finalized numbers 
from a CPA. But assistant living should qualify as a medical expense, right? She's there because of medical needs. She also is spending two to two twenty five hundred just on copays and medicines. And so I would think your mother would meet the qualification for spending more than seven point five percent of her adjusted gross income. So therefore, she shouldn't be spending. You shouldn't be paying very much in tax on the IRA, unlike the situation we just talked about you with you, right? You're okay. going to pay tax on uh-huh. those IRA distributions because. I don't know why there isn't like a break for like, if you use it for the honeymoon, like no tax, but mm-hmm. if you're using sure. it for medical, which is n- the, nobody saves and works their entire life to spend it on a nursing home. That's nobody's goal. I've never had anyone come in and been right. like, I want to spend all my money on medicine. Nobody wants that. So they do, mm-hmm. there is a bit of a tax break for that, right? Because nobody wants, the government does give you a tax break. So I talked to you earlier, my recommendation would have been to put all of the money or at least the majority of the life insurance in the trust because it's protected and spend down the IRA. Because if you inherit the IRA, you're going to pay a lot in tax. And if you inherit the trust monies and the life insurance money, you will pay next to nothing in tax. Right. So let's spend the most expensive dollar. Does that make sense? Okay. Right. So like, yeah, if Uh you're spending it on medical, then your mother will be paying very little tax on that IRA distribution. Okay. Okay. So hindsight's 2020, obviously. Um, I don't know if it's worth it. I would ask a CPA if it's worth it to take, to start to switch the distributions to the IRA instead of taking it from the bank account and then throw that money in the trust. Okay. What they're going to say, probably did the estate attorney say that the IRA is protected? Is that word used? In terms of protected from like, um, Med- like Medicaid, a bank, you know, I don't think it is actually. I think it's considered that it would have to be a liquidated um, asset, also. So, so this is. I would also check that. So there are usually okay. when you're doing a Medicaid application, they they view um, assets versus income. I haven't done this in a little bit, but um, and so basically, uh-huh. your mother will have to start taking required minimum distributions. I believe at age. They're rolling it back. So I don't know her year of birth, but let's say uh, 53. 53, 1953. So right now, so when it's in a distribution status, does that make sense? So when it's under RMD mm-hmm. and you have the mandatory distribution, it's viewed as income. And so what they can do, and this is state specific. So I know New York State really well. I do not know Kansas. I've never done Kansas. So that once again, mm-hmm. you need, this is high level of what, how estate planning, how Medicaid works, but you have to consult with a with you definitely definitively need a cpa and then i would also get or or ask your whoever did the trust right was an estate planning Uh attorney correct right correct Mm -hmm. okay so i would have and sometimes when you do this it is reviewed but you're going through a lot and it's the first time you've ever heard a lot of these words um these strategies this it's this is not something you go through and it's most certainly not something you usually go through it at your age so um, they mm-hmm. could they could have reviewed it, but basically the way Medicaid will view the asset is either it's distribution mode or not distribution mode. So let's just assume it's in distribution mode. It's under RMD. RMD is based on uh, the factor table. They have an IRS factor table. When it is being reviewed for nursing home, right for a Medicaid eligibility, they are going to switch. And I and I have found most attorneys miss this uh, delineation here, which is. Everybody assumes they're using the IRS RMD factor table. They will then mm-hmm. switch from that factor table to what is called the Social Security actuarial table, which is true life expectancy. The RMD table has you living to be, I think, 115 years old. 
I haven't seen the oh, latest wow. one. Yeah, it's quite, quite generous, if you will. They think you're going to live a long time. The Social Security actuarial table is not so favorable at all. They have you living mm-hmm. to be in your 80s. So they base the okay. distribution. They can switch the distribution table they're using. So if th- that's something like that the, I own here, attorneys say like, oh, we, we just take whatever the distribution is. And I'm like, what table are you using? And they're like, oh, the actuarial table. And I'm like, okay, well, the client thinks you're using the factor table. So the tables mm-hmm. are, you know, we have about a 25 year age difference here with those. That's a big difference. So the, the percentage you're taking out is significantly higher if you're using the social security actuarial table. Anyhow, what that means is the IRA should have some protection. I don't know if this is state specific, so that you need to find this out from the attorney. So if it does have some protection, I would still liquidate the IRA because you're going to pay nothing in tax versus if you do inherit it, you'll pay tax. So just this is something that I don't I can't tell you for sure, but I would definitely run this by the attorney. And also you want to understand the stuff in advance of there being another problem. Right. Of Mm -hmm. your mom. So the. Assisted living facility, does they do they have a step up where you go from assisted living and then as you advance or need advanced care, you stay in that same facility or would your mom have to be moved? We would have to move. Uh-huh. Got it. Okay. So, okay. That would be my question is mm-hmm. understanding how the Medicaid, so they didn't go through anything with the IRA for Medicaid. You know, it, it's very likely that he did. And I think like you were saying, it was kind of drinking from a fire hose yes. <laughs> when we were doing it. Because um, I do remember him recommending, let's put the life insurance policy um, payout into the trust. And I think with at the time with everything and wedding planning, it just didn't oh. happen. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. So that was his recommendation mm-hmm. was to put it in the trust. Yeah. yeah that to exactly. me uh-huh. would have been yeah. my recommendation as well. Okay. That's fine. You okay. can leave it as is. Mm-hmm. I do think you need to find out how it works in Kansas for the okay. IRA for Medicaid eligibility. So once it's in okay. payout, so the IRA then would be in payout status when your mom reaches RMD age and confirming that they're going to be using the social security actuarial table and not the IRS factor table. Okay. Okay. The great thing is this is recorded, so you could just re-listen to this. <laughs> Perfect. Yes, that's what I need to do. <laughs> okay, because this is a this is a lot, and then then that way you also know that there is some protection on the IRA because they can't. Uh-huh. And knowing that, like you just knowing that, is very important because what do you know what a nursing home runs in your area if your mom needed to still. Oh. If, if we go like full on, um, I, it's at least 10 grand. Cause we were looking at that with my dad at the very end. Um, okay. so, and I imagine inflation and, you know, et cetera, probably by the time she gets to that point, which could be tomorrow or it could be three or four years from now, but it would definitely be more. Yeah. And then, and her income is 4,600. So, right. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a gap. So what most people will do, and this is why it's so important you have the attorney, is they'll just take the money from the IRA, but you don't have Mm -hmm. to take. So that's where you need to find out what what table are they using? I believe it's going to be the Social Security actuarial table. And are you obligated to take anything more than that? And if you're not, then I wouldn't. But when when the the nursing home isn't going to tell you that, they're not going to be like, you don't actually have to take the money out, right? Mm, Sure, right. Right. So I, I would get, com- I would 
ask those questions now because then you're in a clear state of mind. There isn't an emergency with trying to get your mom into a facility and seeing where the beds are open and getting the application. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of work. So I would do that now so that you know how is Kansas and that county handling the IRAs and what table are they using? And do you have an obligation to distribute more than the, I'm assuming you're going to have to use the social security actuarial table. Okay. I've got a question. I'm not sure I'm going to try and frame it, but okay. so like if, if the IRA is um, not protected or let's say she does need to like liquidate that money, is that something we should kind of put the gas on now to get that money out of there um, sooner rather than later? I don't know if I'm framing that correctly, but... So for um, like the IRA, like does it make sense to... So so here's the problem. Did they tell you what the how long it takes for the trust to seal? Five years. Yeah, it's a sixty month look back. Okay, yes, so what correct. that so what that means is if you gift your money um, in uh-huh. anticipation of infirmary, meaning you're hiding your money so that you don't have to pay for your care, they can claw it back within sixty months. Right. So you have to leave the first of all. It's it's radical surgery. I the if the trust had been done five years ago. You'd have, I know you're, you're every, and it's monthly, right? It's not years. That's the 60 months mm-hmm. is a very different definition than five years. So it means every month literally counts until you get to month 60 and then that trust seals and then that 350 is protected. Mm-hmm. So you might have to spend down more of the IRA. So the longer your mom stays in the assistant living facility, the better, right? Okay. Because mm-hmm. her income is covering the majority of that cost, right? And the cost monthly more than doubles if she needs a nursing home. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now one would argue, so the flip side of this, one would argue is it's your mother's money. And if it needs to be used for her care, it can be used for her care. And I agree with that as well. But Mm -hmm. nursing homes are very, very expensive. And most people don't want to see their hard earned money spent that way. I think that Mm -hmm. if the close, so every month you get closer to the 60 month, the better. Once it seals, you could then really push back on taking anything more than you're legally obligated to take up from the IRA. Okay. Cause even though, cause the trust or the IRA funds are held with Edward Jones. And I think the trust is now with, it just transferred. I can't remember. It was with, oh, I'm blanking now, but so those are in a separate place. Why are they separate? Well, so the trust was set up through the attorney, um, And when my dad got sick, the funds with the IRA, I brought in my parents' retirement accounts into Edward Jones. And so they Mm -hmm. each had their own IRA set up there. And then the house that they had together was what was sold and moved into the trust. And who's managing the trust assets? Um, The attorney who um, set up the trust. He's investing Their office. Well, their office has, I think, a separate financial advising component to it. The so the, the the deal there was he would then their office would then assist with a Medicaid application when that time comes okay. if those okay. funds remain there. And I was at least at the time looking at it, I saw that those applications could get very expensive um, yeah, if there can. were a decent amount of assets involved. Okay, next question for you. So you're paying the attorney a fee to draft it. Then you're paying the affiliated financial advisor a fee to manage it, correct? Yes. Uh Because you did pay a set fee for the trust itself. 
separate fee. Right. Exactly. Uh Separate fee. Correct. Okay. And then you're paying a fee for the investments, which is technically a separate company. I believe so, as I understood it. Uh Okay. So let me just double check something. So who is the trustee of the trust? I'm assuming it's you. My uh, my sister and myself. Uh Who's the contingent? So you guys are joint, but you can make, uh, make decisions separately. You're not tied to each other. Is that correct? Um, we know we have to make them jointly. Mm-hmm. You do have to make them jointly. Okay. And then, so who's the yes. contingent trustee? Who's the backup? I believe either my spouse or um, my sister's husband. Okay. I would check that. Okay. And then to confirm, you are both, it's 50-50 for the beneficiaries of the trust for you and your sister? Yes. 50-50 for the beneficiary on the trust and then on the IRA as well. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay. And there's no other assets, correct? That there's nothing that would go through. Probate. So there would be um, a, a car that my mom owns, but that that would be it. Yeah, that won't trigger probate. That that would be mm-hmm. a, usually a small estate exemption. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the eighteen thousand in the bank account. I, I'd have to check Chan- uh, Kansas's law, but usually that would also fall underneath a small estate exemption. Okay. They range between thirty and fifty. Usually, we could double check that. Oh. Great. Yeah, you go to probate if it's real property, which you don't have because the house is sold. If it's over uh-huh. a certain threshold determined per state, but like New York is 50, anything below that, you can do a small estate exemption and, and basically do it yourself. It's really fast. You just don't want to have to go oh, through good. probate. The reason I'm asking you these questions, I don't know your attorney. Uh-huh. I don't know their firm. I see a lot of awful things. Like for instance, the contingent trustee being the attorney's wife is an example. Oh. Yeah, for a fee. Okay. So I just like to ask because- People will say, oh, it's my husband. And then you actually go and look and it's Mrs. Wife Attorney. Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. So you just want to definitely double check all your, you always want to double check the, the docs. What the, what the attorney's office would say in response to that is, you didn't provide us someone, so that's our default. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I'm, I feel pretty sure it's, it's one and or both of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, I would just review the document. Okay, sure. And then, then I would definitely review with the attorney for your area because it is, it can be specific. I don't know. I just don't know Kansas, but that you're going to be using the social security, social security actuarial tables for the distribution. And that once the IRA is in what's called payout status for Medicaid eligibility, you are not obligated to pay more than that. Okay. This is always good to like get the understanding now when it's, when it's happening, it's so overwhelming. If God forbid your mom needs that advanced care right? and you're, and you're moving her because as you know, what you've already experienced, everything always happens at once. And so the timing probably won't be <laughs> yes. ideal. And so then you're trying to figure out what legally you have to do and you're trying to find your, it's just, it becomes very overwhelming. So I think it would be good to get to understand how it would work now when there isn't a problem because it's easier because mm-hmm. you have time, you could do it on a weekend morning. There's no emergencies. Everything's running smoothly. This is the time to like know the plan, figure out the plan right. now. Right. Yeah, this is all really helpful because um, it was so much at once, and so yes. I'm, I'm, yeah, grateful to chat with you today because it's giving me some additional perspective on um, preparing for what's next. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to sixty with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus performance line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.